This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. The core goal of any marketing department revolves around the customer experience. But when you think about the customer journey, what is the difference between the marketing of a product and the experience of the product itself? And how should each of those blend together? When you think about the customer experience, it's hard to tell whether it's part of the marketing experience or the actual product experience itself. As a result, the more consistency that you can deliver for the user, for the end user, between all of the different touch points that they have with the company, the better that experience will be. That's Aaron Hintz, the CMO of Barracuda Networks, a leader in security protecting email, networks, data, and applications for businesses of all sizes. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Aaron discusses how marketing departments can prevent the confusion that might happen between the marketing and the product experiences in order to create a more cohesive overall customer experience. Plus, Aaron discusses the importance of having a strong digital marketing program in place for inbound demand and the shifts Barracuda made as companies went into the pandemic lockdowns. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we have special guest, Aaron. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk about Barracuda and, uh, and the cool stuff that you all are doing from a marketing perspective and beyond. Uh, and also to get into your background. So how did you get started in marketing? The way that I started in marketing, let's see, we'll go back. When I was in high school, I knew I wanted to go to university, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's not like kids today where they pretty much have their whole life mapped out or at least a, a strong preference or idea of their path. So what I did is I went to university. I'm, I'm from Canada originally. went to school up there at a university called Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And I studied English as my, my degree. And, you know, partway through the degree, I started taking business courses and found them to be very interesting and, and much more practical. As I reached my fourth year, I still had no idea what I was going to do and graduation was upon me. So I decided to go to school some more and found a program at another, another school, Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo. People might know Waterloo University a little bit better. A lot of high-tech firms do their engineering recruiting there. So I was at Wilfrid Laurier and took what, what was the first year of an MBA program. It was a, a management studies program that they had in place. And um, in doing that, I, I had the choice after that first year of either doing the second year and getting my MBA or working. And I happened upon an opportunity at a tech startup in Toronto and decided to do that. And, and that was my, the beginning of my marketing career. It was a tech startup. I was in marketing. And what was most interesting about that experience was that several months, a few months into the role, as can often happen in startup land, the investors decided that they were going to make a change. They brought in a new CEO. 
who uh, exited the management team. And in doing so, I became the marketing department for this company and then embarked on a couple of years of massive learning on the job and, and learning as I went, doing all of the different elements of marketing for this company which was a really great grounding experience in, in learning all of the, the techniques and, and the art and science of marketing. Yes. Yeah, so, so for our listeners who don't know, can you share a little bit more about Barracuda? Happy to. Barracuda is a leading security tech company. And where we specialize is in uh, email security, as well as public cloud security, application security, and backup. So we have a lot of capabilities for our, our customers to be able to protect them and their businesses. And so who do you all uh, market to? Who, who are your buyers? Our buyers are IT decision makers in companies of all sizes. So we got our start in small business and small medium business, and we've grown into serving mid-market customers as well as enterprise customers with a number of our solutions. So we really do expand all of the different business segments. And so what does, uh, what does marketing look like at, at Barracuda? What, uh, what does your team look like? What's your, what's your kind of strategy there? We cover all of the different aspects of marketing. Our team, my team includes product marketing, where we're really understanding the customer and the customer needs and, and how we deliver upon those needs, as well as the messaging and positioning, the competitive landscape. We also have a brand and creative team. We do our creative in-house, actually, and do not use agencies that much. We also have our communications team, which is responsible for public relations, analyst relations, and overall thought leadership. And demand generation, of course, is, is critical. And that, that takes a few different forms at Barracuda. We have our demand generation programs where we're, where we're communicating directly with that end user customer, that IT decision maker, and um, generating interest there. And we also work through our partners. We have a very broad partner community where we work with them to acquire customers and, and uh, capture interest, as well as providing them with our inbound leads in order for them to work the sales cycle and close the business. So pretty much all of the, all of the elements of marketing. Yeah, totally. So, you know, you're, you're a multi-time CMO. When you came into this role, what, what was different about it? I'd say a few things were different about Barracuda when I joined. One is that we had at that time and still have a very strong brand, a very well-known brand. Barracuda among the IT community is extremely well-known. We do brand studies. We see 95% awareness of, of Barracuda. The challenge was that not everyone consistently knew what, what we did in the areas of security and data protection. And so a big challenge was and continues to be making people more aware of the very specific uh, types of solutions that we offer. So that was one thing where we had you know, great brand awareness, but still some work to do in terms of putting the meaning behind what Barracuda stands for. You know, another challenge, and, and I think that this is ongoing, I don't talk to any CMO that doesn't have, have the challenge of uh, driving higher and faster growth. And so that has been a core area that we've been working on and expanding in terms of our capabilities in order to reach a broader base of customers 
a more you know focused base of partners to to do our our joint um, business together. So those are a couple of things. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned um, that you don't use a ton of agencies. You do a lot of stuff in in house. Uh, it seems like a lot of, especially like tech companies and B two B companies, seems like folks are kind of moving in that direction a little bit. Well, why why did you decide to make that? Uh, the case? That was how things were established when I joined the company. And in my past roles, there had always been more of a dependence on external agencies with with some talent in-house. So this was a little different than what I had been what I had been accustomed to, but I haven't changed it because it in fact works really, really well. And part of the reason is that Barracuda invested in an in-house design studio with all of the tools, all of the capabilities, all of the, you know, printing for when, when we have in-person events again and, and need printed material. But all of, the, all of the different capabilities that you depend on for an agency, you know, were in our studio as well as the talent. And so we've also, we've evolved and, and brought in um, some key talent. Uh, since I've been there, I brought in a new creative director who is um, extremely talented and has done some tremendous work for us as well as leading the team. So I, I think that some of the advantages of having an in-house creative team is speed of execution, a little more control over the quality and the consistency. I mean, those are the two biggest things that I would say. And, and then it extends beyond marketing in some ways as well. So our team is able to help the HR team with different programs and design elements. We have helped with um, the redesign of our office environments and um, doing some some really beautiful work there. And then even down to the the many t-shirts that were (laughs) that are requested of us um, by the product teams and and other groups to um, represent different initiatives. So it's really, it's really great to have the fast turnaround and, and consistent creative experiences. Yeah, totally. That, that's super, that's super fascinating. I, I'd imagine, you know, as you talk to your peers about building a design studio, like that, that kind of, uh, you know, build versus buy sort of a calculation that you all had to do. I'd imagine that some of your CMO peers might, might be jealous and some might be uh, not so jealous of uh, having to make those calculations. Yeah, I found that as I talk to my CMO peers, it, there really is a mix. I find that some do have the almost exclusive in-house capabilities, and it seems like more and more are trending in that direction. A lot have a combo of the two. And in fact, it's always nice to have some agency capacity so that you can scale up and scale down without having to make changes to your team. So we do have, you know, a little bit of, of that help that, that we do. And I find that as I talk to, again, CMO peers, it really is that blend of the two that, that probably works best. So how have lead gen practices changed? Obviously, this year has been uh, crazy for everyone. What has it meant for you all? We made a number of shifts this year. Uh, in terms of our lead gen, well, really across the board, in terms of all of our elements of marketing. From the, the perspective of demand gen, clearly events, <laughs> in-person events are, are no longer an option or for the most part, very limited. And, and so 
online events have become that much more important in the form of webinars, in the form of uh, virtual events. We, for example, in the first three months of the lockdown, we went from the previous year having an average of 20 or having 25 webinars in, in that first three months uh, last year to over 100 this year. So it just very quickly, almost overnight, we shifted to um, offering a lot more with respect to webinars. And that was delivered by us um, to our customer audiences, to our partner audiences, and then joint webinars with our partners. That was one, one of the big changes in our demand gen practices. Another, and we're fortunate because we're positioned really well in that digital has been a big part of our marketing mix uh, even before 2020. And, and it's become that much, that much more important this year as well, where we invest a lot of our time, energy, and resources in, in digital, in, in reaching our customers through paid search, natural search. We invest a lot in our content to be able to have good results in natural search. We, with our retargeting. And, and so there's quite a bit that we do on the digital side and that creates a lot of demand for us. We have a, a very strong inbound channel at Barracuda and that, that goes for worldwide as well. So that was something that we didn't change a lot, you know, this past year because we already had it in place. If I go back to Go back in time to what we were experiencing in the February, March timeframe. We first of all started seeing changes in, in digital based on consumer or buyer behavior, where starting in Asia Pacific, then moving to Europe, and then in the Americas, search volume went down for our various search terms and, and basically fell off a cliff in uh, mid-March. And that was because what was happening is around the world, companies were moving into the lockdown mode and a very rapid move within business to get their employees working from home and equipped to be able to work from home. So in that time, our search volume tanked and it started to come back after that. But it was interesting that we were seeing the change digitally as it was happening, you know, in the real world. And what that meant for us was a multi-pronged shift in what we were doing. So first of all, really understanding what was happening with our customers. These are businesses that were going through this rapid move to remote work uh, almost overnight and really having empathy for what they were going through. Fortunately for Barracuda, you know, we have a number of solutions that are equipped to help customers in, in that move to remote work. And so what we did is we shifted our messaging, our content very much to those use cases that were super relevant at the time as, as everyone was dealing with the pandemic and the, and the lockdowns. So shifting to our VPN, virtual private network capabilities and our firewalls that help remote workers, being able to help retail companies and other businesses that were depending more on their e-commerce environments versus their brick and mortar stores. And as they do that, the demands on their, their servers and their website and their e-commerce platforms become that much higher. We have security capabilities 
to help with that as well as um, managing the load on their sites. Cloud to cloud backup and, and the overall shift to shifting of workloads to public cloud, we have security capabilities and products that help very much in that area. And then finally, and, and, and very importantly, our email security. So we found as the pandemic came on that more and more um, of the spear phishing attacks that we were seeing in our, in our research group were related to COVID-19 and coronavirus and the pandemic, meaning that the scams that, that people were using really preyed on people's fears in their oh, wow. email to get them to click on links. Interesting. It, yeah, it was really, it was fascinating. In fact, if we, if we looked from January to February to March, in the January timeframe, we saw around 100 attacks, that um, spear phishing email attacks that were related, related to COVID. In February, that went to 1,200. And in March, it was 10,000. So it was this exponential growth of spear phishing attacks related to COVID. And it was everything from the scamming to the brand impersonation, where they would be impersonating the CDC or the World Health Organization, again, to try to get people to click on a link so that they could take advantage of them. Um, Another thing we saw is business email compromise, where the bad actor gets access to the business email account. They impersonate the account owner in order to commit fraud. So you'll most commonly see that with employees who have access to company finances or HR data, where they will then, um, these bad actors will get them to wire transfer money or, or share personal information. So it's incredible what we were able to see happening as it was happening. And then, of course, we have email security products that, that help our customers in that way protecting them from those kinds of attacks. The other thing that happens is as employees are working remotely, their children aren't in school, there are a lot of distractions that they wouldn't normally have in an office environment. And so they're not paying as much attention to the emails and they're more likely to click on one of these links. So what we were able to do is really shift our messaging to all of these different use cases, very specific to what people were going through at the time. We developed completely new content that was related to, again, these use cases and the various threats and, and needs that you know, businesses needed to address. And then we changed our, our channels and our tactics in terms of how we were reaching them as we went. And, and so really what it meant was pausing a lot of the things that we already had in play. Because imagine just getting a regular email from Barracuda that has no indication of what people are going through right now. It just, it would have been tone deaf. So we paused a lot of our marketing and um, pivoted it all to, to these needs and what, what businesses were going through. We also shifted our, our calls to action to be more of uh, we're here to help versus, um, you know, the hardcore by now kind of call to action because it just didn't, it didn't seem right. And, and we really are a company that, that wanted to be there for customers and, and for prospective customers to be able to help them at this time. Overall, if you look at what we did from, from a budget perspective, we maintained our investment in digital, in PR and AR. We cut events like, like everybody else. You couldn't, couldn't have them anymore, so it, it made no sense to spend dollars there. And then we reduced in a number of areas like some of our partner marketing 
is based on events and, and we couldn't do that anymore. And what was really, um, I think interesting and exciting for me is that our teams and our partners came up with many new and different ways of reaching prospective buyers and, and existing customers in, in ways that we hadn't thought of before because a lot of the, the typical tactics were no longer available to us. So it's, it's, um, it's been a, a great learning experience and we've uncovered a lot of new programs that, that we'll continue using over time. Yeah, what are what are some of those uh, those new ways that uh, that your partners were coming up with? What were some of the things that that were different, that were unique, that uh, were resonating? Sure. Well, well, one of them, which maybe isn't that unique, but it was it was a bit different for us, was that we saw a huge demand among our partners to to join in and in delivering webinars together. So a lot of joint webinars with partners where we hadn't done a lot of that in the past, but because we had all of this very relevant content and, and messaging that addressed the, the use cases and customer problems at the moment, you know, we were able to beat a lot of our competitors and, and other vendors to the mark on this. And so we saw a lot of our partners coming to us and wanting to do joint marketing together um, in the form of webinars. So that's one, that's one example. Some of the more creative things have been, um, you know, instead of having lunch and learns or half day sessions, everything's online now. So how do you make it a little more interesting or creative by adding a, a you know, cocktail hour element or some other kind of, you know, gift that they might receive that can be part of the conversation. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of creative teams are doing those kinds of things. Another one is, with our partners, we call it our meeting maker program, where when you think about some of the national accounts that we work with, so CDW is one of the partners that would be a good example of that. In normal times, a lot of what we would do with them would be going to their office environments and walking their, their floors to be able to interact with their many salespeople and um, you know, offering sales incentives, but also educating and having giveaways and, and um, interacting with them. Well, of course, we can't do that in this environment. And so what we did is moving to more of an online mode, we would have a session where we would um, you know, educate them on a particular solution or solving a particular customer problem. And then there would be an incentive for them setting meetings with prospective customers. And just by adding that, that incentive, but building it up and packaging it as a full program, we're able to drive significant pipeline with these partners. And we expanded it from our national account partners to our resellers. And, and we're finding really great success with that. You mentioned how you had some really important um, information that you were getting, you were seeing. I can't believe 10000 a month. That's so crazy about the, the email stuff that you're seeing. But it requires like speed on your team's behalf to be able to get that stuff like out immediately. What were like, how were you, you, you mentioned that you were getting that stuff out there, but how did you get that stuff out quickly? And how did you focus on speed? And what were some of the channels that you were using? Because it seems like that's something that for those of our listeners who have, you know, an advantage like that, we always say, you know, <laughs> use the use the things that only your company has access to and and uh, and market those things. Um, it seems like that, as you mentioned, was a real advantage when you could, you know, get to market with those webinars and things. Yes, our approach, and this is something that 
you know, I'm, I'm especially proud of in terms of how the team rallied and operated. So as you can imagine, during that time, everyone was going remote, our company included. And, and fortunately, being in a tech company, our marketing team is equipped with, with everything, everything that they need to work from home. So that wasn't an obstacle for us. And so we were able to just, you know, keep on going. <laughs> the way that we were able to move so quickly is we, as a leadership team, got together and just decided, okay, we are going to help our customers with these various use cases that, that have presented themselves, and we're going to revamp our content. We've got to change our messaging, change our content. So what we did is we, we paused all the other things that we were working on in order to have an intense focus on writing the content, building it out, getting five new web pages uh, live, um, blog posts. We, we have a really great uh, content team that had been developing ongoing blog posts, even you know starting in January, February. Um, related to to the pandemic and what we were seeing. And then, of course, our research team, as they're providing the data to us, we're able to make that into very meaningful content very quickly. So we built that into web pages, into blog posts, into webinars. Uh, We're also fortunate we have a lot of really great subject matter experts and, and presenters that we were able to lean on to deliver these webinars in a very timely fashion. We also stopped or paused all of our our email nurture, so all of our email marketing, we paused that and we developed completely new email marketing content for those tracks based on different customer needs and and different customer targeting. So basically what we did is as a leadership team, paused everything we were doing and focused on this solely. And, And people really, really rallied because, you know, we were working... I don't know, 10, 12 plus 14 hour days, people were just kind of around the clock to to be able to deliver on what we were trying to do. Uh, We also met as a team three times a day, which is kind of odd, but when you're not not in the same office and, and you're all remote, it was really important to stay connected, understanding what are the roadblocks, what what is one team depending on from another team to make sure that we could keep moving and deliver on what we were trying to do. So it was fun from the perspective of creating something basically from scratch for out of nowhere um, in such a quick time frame. And then the aspect of working together so closely as a team and you know having those touch points three times a day to stay in touch. So we really we had a mission uh, while there was so much uncertainty going on in the world. Um, it enabled us to focus on on getting this done versus paying as much attention to to the news and and other things that that were so stressful at the time. And yeah, it was it was really fun to see the team rally and and work that well together. And I think we really proved something to ourselves as well that when we set our minds to it, we can achieve just about anything. So looking forward to twenty twenty one. We can all say, thank goodness, it's almost uh, 2021. What are some of the things that you're excited about? What are some of the things that you're exploring, whether it's you know, technologies or, or channels or anything like that, that you're, you're going to try to focus on? Yes, 2021, it, it, many of us will comment that it would be great to have 2020 behind us for so many reasons. Unfortunately, I'm not sure everything's going to change <laughs> when we um, you know, move the calendar over into that new year. 
But as we as we do look ahead and uh, plan for that, our fiscal year actually starts March 1st. So we're a little bit we have a little bit more time before our new fiscal year kicks off. But um, what we found is after the initial uncertainty with with the initial pandemic and, and, and the lockdowns that resulted from that, our business has certainly stabilized and being in security, we're in a really good business because um, companies always need security. So uh, we're fortunate in that regard. And what we're doing is really shifting our focus in the second half of our fiscal year and our, our next fiscal year into accelerating growth. And, you know, part of that and, and, you know, one thing I'm excited about among many is that we just, in fact, yesterday announced a new product, our CloudGen Access product, which is in the Zero Trust Network Access space. And what that means for, for people who don't know is that it easily enables companies to um, allow their contractors or employees who are outside of, of the company network to access company applications and, and data and information and infrastructure. And so with this new product, it's very fitting in, in the current environment we all find ourselves in. And it's just a really great, exciting product. So for me, launches of new products and, and you know, we have more to look forward to as we look ahead to 2021. And um, so that's, that's always a big and exciting thing for us to do, to be able to then deliver pipeline and work with the sales team to accelerate the business. In terms of, of new channels, you know, there are so many opportunities with the technologies that are out there and available to us today, doing more and more to personalize the content based on what we know and what we can learn about prospects and customers is super compelling. And so we're investing in some technologies there that will enable us to do even more personalization and, and targeting. Uh, there's also, of course, intent and having intent data so for better targeting, which, which delivers better results. And um, the overall customer experience as well. So personalization is certainly part of that. Um, but something I'm excited about is our partnership with, with our product team. For example, when you think about the customer experience, quite often it's hard to tell whether it's part of the marketing experience, so the web, or the actual product experience itself. And as a result, the more consistency that you can deliver for, for the user, for the end user customer, between all of the different touch points that they have with the company, the better that experience will be. And so we've got a new product visualization project that we're working on so that the way that we identify our products through marketing and marketing vehicles will be the same way that we identify them within the product, creating a much more streamlined experience. So I'm excited about that effort that we have underway with the product teams. And then just the, the customer experience overall, you know, the more that we can do there to, first of all, understand the customer and then deliver against, against their needs and, and their expectations. There's so much technology that we can take advantage of, and, and that's our plan going forward. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. We love Salesforce. They've been with us since the very, 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 very beginning of marketing trends, and we love them dearly for that uh, and for bringing marketing and engagement together. 
Check out salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Aaron, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a favorite book or podcast or something that you've been uh, reading or listening to or watching recently? I have a favorite book that uh, we're, we're really leveraging within our marketing team. It's Story Brand by Donald Miller. And really what it's all about is telling, telling the story with the customer in mind. So instead of saying, oh, our product does all of these great things and making your product the hero, it's very much about making the customer the hero. And you're there as, as the guide or the friend or the, you know, the person that's there to help them. And what we're doing is really leveraging this book um, to shift all of our communication and our messaging to be much more customer centric. So I, I highly recommend this, this book, Story Brand. It really helps with, um, with being customer centric. I love that. Great recommendation. Yeah, we talk about that all the time about uh, your product is the lightsaber, your, your Obi-Wan and, uh, and your customer is, is Luke. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Do you have a hobby or a habit or, or something that you picked up during shelter in place? I don't know that it's a hobby, but maybe it's more of a habit, uh, which is going for long walks. So I am a competitive person and like to challenge myself. And so I've been tracking my steps on a daily basis and, and gearing up to more steps every day. And so since July, I've been, I've been tracking and making sure that I have over 8,000 steps a day. And last month it was 10,000 a day. So just challenging myself in that way. And, and it's been, I think, great during the pandemic because it's time to think as well as getting some exercise and, and getting the heart rate going. So that's been, that's been a lifesaver for me. I, I was the same way early on. And then I, we stopped, my, uh, my now wife and I uh, stopped doing the, uh, the daily walks. And man, it takes a toll. You got to get, got to get back out there. I love the, love the daily walks. For sure. And in fact, I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter and early on when it was strict lockdown and, and we couldn't interact with a lot of people, she would go for walks with me. And so that was a very special time because as soon as things opened up slightly and she could be with her friends again, those walks stopped. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So it's, it's just the way it goes, but I, I certainly cherish the time that we had there. What is your best piece of advice for a first-time CMO? Best advice for a first-time CMO? This may be advice for, for any CMO when they enter a new role. So not sure if it's, it's first-time or just general, but for me, as I've entered different roles, my approach has been one of listening and learning. So don't come in like a bull in a china shop and, and make a bunch of changes right away, but but really be thoughtful in, in terms of getting to know people, getting to know the business and, and really listening to, to understand before you drive a lot of change. It's important to get quick wins early on and, and that should certainly be a focus, but it's, it's very critical to have that strong ground of, of understanding before, before making a bunch of changes. So that would be, that would be a strong piece of advice. What is the first thing once shelter in place and all this stuff and life goes back to whatever sense of normalcy it, it can go back to, what's the first thing that you're going to do? What's the first place you're going to go or visit? Uh, what's the activity? Oh, gosh, there's so much pent up demand, isn't there? Um, 
One of the things that I look forward to the most is international travel. And in fact, this year in 2020, I had several trips planned and some of it was work and some of it was for fun. And the fun parts were going to some of the major tennis tournaments. So my family, we go to the US Open in New York every year and we weren't able to do that this year. And I had planned to go to a couple of the Masters 1000 tournaments in Europe, in Madrid and Rome in the spring. So I think when things go back to normal and we can travel again and, and uh, go back to the way life <laughs> once was, you know, I think I'll be booking a trip to Europe, probably around a major tennis tournament. Well, Aaron, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for joining. This has been awesome. It's been great chatting with you. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Obviously, our listeners should check out Barracuda, Ned, your IT security team, and, and tell them to take a look for sure. Yes, that would be awesome. We We have a lot that we can do to help businesses of all sizes with their security needs, whether it's email security, application or network security, or data protection. So we are we're here to help. Awesome. Take care. All right. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers, to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.